Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. And we're back. I'm the mysterious Justin. And I'm the cryptic uh, researcher Flossum J. I don't know what Flossum is. I forget. Flossum and Jetsum. Is this the stuff you throw overboard? Mm -hmm. Any trash ends up in the ocean off the ship. Oh, okay. That's me. Yeah, because it's two guys that fell off and they just, nobody went back for them. Oh, well, uh, I'm I'm one of them. Off on tangent already. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> we're definitely getting our, our style down. Do you think? Yeah, we just start talking about nothing right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we're a little nervous for this episode. This is a hulking beast of an episode. That's an understatement. Oh. Uh, uh, using the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I am the greatest. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. We need to change these buttons. No, I like them. They're funny. I need the shotgun cocking. <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, might need that. Okay. So, uh, we, we don't really have any front of house stuff that is different from this week's other episode. Yeah. So, just listen to that one or listen to this one. It don't matter. You'll figure it out. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm really bad about the Instagram. So, Facebook is definitely the better one. I'm on all the time. Yeah. But uh I'm on none of them, so I don't know. Jay, you have to get Facebook by this weekend. Come on. No. It's not an excuse anymore. Why? Just for this. They're infringing upon my privacy. Don't put anything on there besides just so you can post on the page. That's people ask about you all the time. They're po- they're they're stealing my thought forms by me posting. No, it's okay. They're mining my So we you my hear mind you, data. you hear it first. Jay will have Facebook and be on the page by Friday. Oh, man. Because he's been saying he's going to get it for about three months now. Probably longer. So, Friday. You have till Friday. That's... Friday. Very soon. All right. It takes well, two minutes to log in. <laughs> I have to re-log in or re-whatever. Just start a new one. Oh. All right. Anyways. Uh, no... As far as I know, no new business. Nothing like that. Um... What are we going to discuss today? The mighty Minerva monster. We're going to try to. This story is big. It's intensive. We'll probably have to leave some stuff out. We're going to try to tackle the story as much as possible as the story is written. I've already trimmed this down, and it's our biggest script ever. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, (coughs) oh, bless you straight to heaven, you little saint. Excuse me. I was fighting that sneeze for about 10 seconds. Did you see me last episode rubbing my nose? (laughs) Oh, no. That's that's what what I was doing. doing. Okay. Uh, so we're going to try this. We may have to revisit this later to fix it. Uh, cause this is a big story and I don't want to offend anybody. This is like Ohio's, this is Ohio's Boggy Creek. Yes. So this is when everybody don't know what Boggy Creek is. Boggy Creek is a famous Bigfoot encounter down in Arkansas. I've been there. The people are super nice. Our friends in Arkansas. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of them down there. Uh, but so this is what we call Ohio's Boggy Creek. Cause as far as Ohio's goes, this is 
the long-term Bigfoot encounter that I've seen multiple times, stuff like that. Or as people in Arkansas call it, high as boggy. High as. High as boggy. Nobody in Arkansas pronounces the O's in Ohio. It is spelled H-I-A. Hiya. Hiya. (laughs) And um, we're from a duh, but that's just everywhere pronounces it duh. Oh, true, yeah. I was actually listening to... Here, I'll shout out Hysteria 51. Yeah. And they were talking about a professor at Ohio State in Lima, Ohio. Oh, Lima. That's Lima. Yeah, that gets... Brent, if you ever listen to this podcast from Hysteria 51, it's Lima. It's like like the bean. Which is weird. I the mean, bean. that's... Lima bean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like it's from Lima the country. But, well, like Lima, Peru is what where I think where Lima comes from, right? No. Where does it come from? Where is that pronounced? Spain. Lima, Spain? No, it's just, I don't think it's a Spanish word. Well, yeah, it's from Peru. Lima, Peru, right? Spanish is not from South America or Central America. Well. Spanish is from Spain. I That's know that. That's just where that. Spain took over. I don't, I don't know if Lima I is, know a, that. is an actual word. You, can you hear how much we're dreading this episode, kind of? We're just avoiding it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Getting into it. All right, let's start. Minerva Monster. Okay. So, I'm going to go into the town of Minerva first. Um, Minerva is a small town population just under 4,000 people in Paris Township, Stark County, Ohio. It is here two miles west of Minerva proper on Lincoln Street in southeast just off of U.S. Route 30. Who else is just off of U.S. Route 30? We are. Yeah. We're just on the other side of the state. This is like three hours away from us like on the same road. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... I think it's funny how 30 just runs, like, straight across Ohio. I, and I think I could throw a football from my yard and hit 30. Probably. That close. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. I'm, not, I'm yeah. like literally a mile and a half off yeah. 30. I mean, we could see 30. Yeah. Like, we can see that, yeah. Um, so, right off the bat, I guess we'll just dive into it. Herbert Clayton is the landowner in this uh, this story and his family. Um, if any of this is wrong... Oh, oh I've got to give credit off the bat. This story, the way this is written is from Alternate Dimensions, the the website. Uh, so if this is wrong, harass them. <laughs> Doing research, when you type in Minerva Monster, the movie, the Small Town Monsters production is the only thing that pops up for like five pages on Google. Yeah. So these guys were the first one that actually had the story written out for me. Gotcha. Uh, and I was tired of looking. So this is the story. This is the one with. we're going with. Yes. All right. So Herbert Clayton is it Clayton or Caton? Because on here you don't. It's oh, it's Caton. There we go. I just want to get that right before their family comes and. Mm-hmm. So basically, he cleared off the a, a, a garbage pit on the back of his property. Uh, it was already a pit back there, but he cleared it off so he could just start throwing his garbage in there. Oh, okay. Um, he was throwing everything. Uh, mostly their organic garbages. A few nights later, Caton's grandchildren. And their friends uh, came running up to the house, claiming they seen a large, hairy monster roaming around the pit. The children were observed terrified, believing that they were threatened by a mountain man or a crazed hermit just outside their home. So, Caton, his mother, and his daughter went outside to investigate. They noted the dogs were going absolutely berserk. Uh, they walked up a small hill toward the pit. As they approached the pit, they saw a large, thick-haired monster about seven feet tall, weighing an estimate of 300 pounds. Um, yeah, that's what they seen. Evelyn, which is uh, the mother Herbert's mother, mm-hmm. 
It just stood there. It didn't move, but I almost broke my neck running back down the hill. So this kind of, they see this creature. It kind of just stands up. It doesn't do anything. Mm. The guys take it back off to the house. A few days later, Evelyn uh, saw the creature again picking through the garbage pit. She knew the creature was bipedal, which means walking on two legs. It had long uh, hair covering its face. The creature's hair was thick, and although she could not make out any other facial features, she recalled that it had no visible neck. Again, her dogs just were going nuts, uh, tugging to get free from their chains uh, that they were bound to in the nearby tree. Uh, so I believe in this story, the dog, one dog was a German shepherd that was a, a junkyard dog. Like a rescue dog, yeah. kind of, right? It was, I wouldn't say a rescue. The guy, the neighbor gave it to him because his dog oh, okay. was absolutely nasty. Yeah. And the only one it liked was uh, Her- Her- Herbert. Okay. Uh, so it was the only person that could even get near the thing enough to take care of it. Yeah. Uh, so the guy just gave it to him. Okay. So that's important later. Uh, or, or maybe right now. It's important right now. We're professionals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, days after the second... Yeah, it's, it's important right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a few days after this, uh, the, that sighting, the family found their German Shepherd's... Uh, their German Shepherd dogs dead. It says dogs, but I think it was only one dog. Right. It was just one German Shepherd. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think the other dog was dead. So I'm going with the one dog. Yeah. Uh, with a broken neck. The dog's collar was found... Uh, next to the dead dog, still attached to the chain. Oh, the other German Shepherd. So there was, I guess there was two. Uh, appeared to be in a addled, addled state. Sorry. Yeah. The Clayton observed, or Caton observed, out of character, dug an eight foot hole in the ground. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so the one dog is dead. The other dog dug a hole to freaking China, trying to get away from whatever this right, thing is. Yeah. And there's evidence of that whole existing... Still to this day. Uh, so basically, the one dog that had its neck broken was pulled out of the collar and then like swung around like you swing a, a chicken around to break its neck. Right, yeah. Which, Which is... for a German Shepherd, is not the easiest thing to do. No. I know from experience. Is there any chance it could have uh, just took off running and... Hung broke itself? Its, broke its own neck? I thought about that too. Yeah. So Maybe. I don't know. I have I've witnessed a dog run at me full speed and, and get, get com- yanked back and get yanked like it's it's back feet came flying at me. <laughs> it, it ran so hard and that dog was fine. So I have still, a German Shepherd puppy was... and he'll do that. Yeah, and he's fine every time. Right. Yeah. So it'd have to be something very. I for a broken neck to occur from that. Yeah, would be extraordinary. Right. Yeah. He'd better be booking it. And then like... how to get out of its. True, it's, yeah. it's collar at that point. Weird, right? It wouldn't have broke its neck. If it slid out of its collar, it wouldn't have broke its neck. True. In my opinion. Just nah, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a, uh, a veterinarian or nothing. I don't know. Or a... Uh, it's not a fish. Crime scene investigator. It's not a fish. I can't help you. Right, true, yeah. Or it's a salamander. Out of your wheelhouse, yeah. It's got fur. I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> uh, so, later on, more family... Oh, I guess... Did I ever say the year this started taking place? Um... It never said. Okay, so that's why I didn't say. But now more family and friends have witnessed the monster uh, firsthand. This is in August 1978. The family told uh, more about the sightings of the friends. uh, So they told their friends probably – sorry, let me reread that. The family told little about the sightings to their friends, but their problems publicly came to light on August 21st. 
1978, around 10.30 p.m., the Catons and a few of their friends were relaxing on the back porch of their home. Behind the home was an old abandoned strip mine, which is what we talked about, their, their refuge pit. Yeah. Uh, and there was an old chicken coop, and there was a, I believe, a shed. Um, but beyond the mine was dense, unpopulated forest the family rarely ventured into. Near the I already went over the chicken coop, blah, blah, blah. The Catons and their friends turned to see uh, what the commotion was. They started hearing noises beside the chicken coop. And they seen two pairs of yellow eyes peeking back at them through the darkness. So this is one thing that's really weird that I don't think... And if you watch the Minerva Monster documentary that Small Town Monsters did, yeah, I don't think they talk about this part. So you take this part with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. what they see next. As the uh, the friends of the family, Scott Petersons, jumped to do... Oh, sorry, where did I miss something? No, okay, no, you're good still. No, okay. So Scott Peter jumped to his car to turn the vehicle's headlights towards... That's what he was doing. Yeah. So he was using the car's headlights to kind of see back there because they didn't want to go back there. Right, yeah, I wouldn't want to either. Uh, <laughs> as he inched the car forward to better illuminate the pair of animals, the light revealed the huge hairy creature which stepped in front of the two cat-like beast. So the first two yellow pairs of eyes I seen were cats, ah. giant cats. And then the Bigfoot basically stepped in front of the cats. Uh, the witnesses would later describe it as the creature was well over seven foot tall, black, brown, matted fur, and it's covered its face and hand. It's covered its face it, with its hands. Yeah. Uh, the creature turned its attention to the idling uh, automobile and began running towards it. Seeing the creature <laughs> quickly close again, the witnesses ran into the home while Peterson trembled from the car to join them in the fleeing party. Inside the house, the frightened witnesses, some of the women bursting into tears. They called the they called the sheriff. While they huddled inside, waiting for the authorities to arrive, the creature peered in them through the kitchen window, illuminated uh, by the back porch light. Uh, Peterson grabbed a loaded twenty-two caliber pistol, with while Evelyn uh, snatched the twenty-two caliber rifle and began loading it. They noted that despite aiming their weapons at the creature, it stood by the window for about ten minutes, showing no fear of the guns. Nobody shot at the creature, but they were all careful to keep it within the gun sights. So they kind of have this standoff with it. Yeah. And so to recap, I know I did a lot of reading there. So, so far, they've seen two big cats by the chinkoop. As they were going to investigate the cats, Bigfoot steps out in between them and the cats. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot runs at them and then just kind of has them in the house. So there and we go. They're, they're pointing pistols at it. And... Yep. A pistol and a rifle. Right. Same caliber. So uh, here's what Evelyn said. It didn't seem to want to bother anyone. It was just curious. We all felt that it wanted to be friends. So that's an actual one of the people. Eyewitness account. Yeah. yeah. So that's incredible. I mean, they didn't shoot a thing. They could right. have. Yeah. But I, they all kind of came to the consensus that. It meant no harm. Yeah. It was just wanted to protect its cats or its other friends. And then it would kind of just stand outside the patio, like just hanging out. Just curious. It wanted yeah. to be like one of them, maybe. After several minutes, the creature turned and moved slowly away from the window. Okay, now we get the cops involved. Uh, the Stark County Sheriff's investigated the sighting. A massive manhunt for the occlusive, or the occlusive, oh my gosh, I can never say that word. Reclusive? Yeah. Creature. Or, or an elusive creature. Elusive. Yeah. Uh, Deputy Sheriff James Shannon arrived 15 minutes later after the call to the Claytons, or Catons, oh my gosh. They understand by now. Yeah. After about five minutes, the creature moved away from the kitchen window. Deputy... Shannon, uh, he later retired as captain of the force. And I think that's the guy you see in the documentary all the time. 
the cop that talks about this. Oh, okay, the deputy. Yeah. Well, yeah, he does. He uh, was captain of the force when he retired. Okay. But yes, during this, he was just a deputy. Gotcha. Okay. If that makes sense to everybody, just to say that he made it all the way to captain and, after. Yeah. And never made his. Never changed his tune about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see what he says about it. Um. He interviewed witnesses that described to him the two cats and the monstrous creature. Later years, he recalled the incident. So this is his. They heard something at the window, kind of crawling and pawing. From what I remember, I don't think this creature, whatever the hell it was, was trying to get in as much as just say, hey, look at me. Hmm. So once again, it was just this kind of a feeling of wanting attention, not... if. They feel very much that if it wanted to be inside the house to get them, it would have got them. Right, yeah. Same with it running after them. Uh, They feel that they initiated – this is kind of speculation. I think they feel they kind of initiated some kind of game with it. Oh, okay. And – Shining the lights on it? Yeah. So it was one to chase them? They were just playing. Yeah. Because if it wanted to get them, it could have got him. Right, yeah. If it was a more sinister act of chasing, we would not be telling the story. Right. It would be a disappearance case. Right, yeah. It would be a different story. Yeah. Um, Our Sheriff Shannon noted the family's terror seemed to be genuine, and everybody's description of the incident matched perfectly. Shannon did not suspect a hoax, not even a hint of it. And I do appreciate that. The whole time, if you watch his interview, Mm -hmm. he always talks about whether what he's like, I don't know what they saw. But they weren't faking it. They weren't drunk. They were a good family. Their reactions were authentic. Yeah, they had an actual encounter. I think for a while he was thinking it was the mountain man kind of situation. Yeah. And we'll get into that later, but that's what I think, from what I understand from watching him talk and stuff like that. We've watched Mm -hmm. him in a monster documentary. Yeah. um, But yeah. The family and friends had definitely seen something, but he could not find any rational explanation. So that's where I think he kind of ended it at first that... I believe you guys. You've seen something. This happened, but we, no, I can't. I don't know what it was. Right. I got no explanation for you. I don't you. know what to do. I'll check it out. Uh, Sanders searched. So he went back, searched uh, along. He was alarming by a strong stench near the kitchen window. Described it as ammonia and sulfur and rotten eggs. Mm. Additional deputies were called and searched uh, from, from the area from the horseback. Uh, so they brought a horseback and a four wheeler drive, uh, an army surplus Jeep. So they brought all kinds of stuff back there to look for this thing. During the six-hour search, they found unusual footprints in the woods behind the home, measuring 14 to 16 inches. Law enforcement wrote them off as bear footprints. When Miss Caton uh, was asked if she thought the creature could have been a bear, she responded, no, not unless they were mutated. Oh, interesting. Um, regardless of the officer's conclusion, years later, Shannon would call the investigation the most bizarre investigation in his 30 years of law enforcement. The family uh, friend, Scott Peterson, who was skeptical of the past sighting, admitted to the reports that he was now a believer. So that was the guy in the car. Yeah, that's trying the lights on it. And he was skeptical about every. but yeah. So, so far, we've gotten a couple engagements with the creature. Yeah. They've kind of been feeding it, whether they realize it or not. Right, with yeah. That, with the garbage pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had the two cats, and that is not the only time... At Bigfoot's been reported with cats just, or canines. Just gonna say that I think we covered that once before. Right? It's it's kind of common in Appalachia, not yeah. common, but it's reported. It's not, it's, uh, yeah, it's not unheard of. Yeah, it's, there, that's better. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna move on down to the second Minerva monster sighting in August twenty second, nineteen seventy eight. 
Oh, keep in mind that first one. Well, when was it? The first one was also in '78. Yeah, it was in August 21st. August. So, so we're a two day or a day later. A day later. Want me to do this one? Yeah, go ahead. All right. On August 22nd, 1978, around 9 p.m., so almost 24 hours later, Miss mm-hmm. um, Mary Ackerman, daughter of Evelyn Caton. So Evelyn's the one that had the gun lat the day before and all that. Yep. Okay. The mom. Mm-hmm. And Miss uh, Mary Ackerman drove to the Caton home to pick up her daughter and a friend. Mary turned into the Caton driveway and, to her surprise, saw the creature standing on top of the hill next to the abandoned strip mine behind the house. She described the creature as more than six feet tall with stubby legs and hairy, indistinct features. Mary sat in the car and watched the creature until it finally turned and walked towards the woods behind the mine, according to Mary. Um, This is her quote. It was shaped like a man, and it walked like a man. When a bear moves away, it does away on all four feet, or it goes away on all four feet. This swung up over the edge of the strip mine on two legs. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah. The third Minerva monster sighting, August 23rd, 1978. So, another, once again, a day later. Another a day later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hubert Clayton, uh, his second experience with the Minerva monster uh, on this date at 11 p.m. So, always kind of this late at night. Yeah. Uh, when it start, you know, it's dark or getting dark. Like the dusk. Yeah. Caton saw the creature appear outside his home and quickly grabbed the gun and fired it into the air. So just to kind of scare it away, he did not like this thing. The creature turned and fled. Uh, Hubert noted that the same night as the family was laying in bed, their home was pelted with rocks, which pattered and clinked on the metal roof of the home throughout the night. After he shot? Yeah. He didn't shoot at it. He just shot, shot in the air. Right. And it kind of returned, it returned fire. Yeah, yeah. And we have this, uh, the final Minerva monster sighting. The last Clayton or Caton sighting of the Minerva creature occurred two weeks after their home was pelted relentlessly by rocks. On September 8th of that year, at 6 p.m., Miss Ackerman, who saw the ape-like animal moving near the strip mine, she thought at first they might have uh, been in the... What? They might have been in a tree. Oh, in a tree, but could not tell because of the, hills, uh, the hillside angle that just didn't. She watched the creature for a while until they disappeared into the woods. Hmm. Now, this is when the circus comes. Right. Which, who's involved in that? Everybody. Well, I mean, one body in particular. No. Oh, the media. I get there you. There we go. The media is I was the like, circus. what are you talking about? I'm looking at my notes. Like, <laughs> uh, Virtually overnight, the Clayton Homestead turned into... A variable media circus. Hmm. The Caton said a crowd outside their home grew so large they had to post no trespassing signs to keep the Bigfoot hunters off their property. So I want to dive into this a little more because I kind of trimmed that out of the original article. Yeah. Uh, hundreds. People showing up. Hundreds of people wanting to kill this thing. Yeah. And as far as Evelyn was concerned, it had done nothing wrong. Right. And it had kind of become, and we might take this more later, it kind of become a neighborhood pet. Yeah. Other people, we'll get into other sightings of this creature, not besides this family. Everybody's feeding this thing. Yeah. Never did anything to hurt nobody. And now there's hundreds of people, and I mean hundreds, that were outside with guns wanting to go on their property and hunt this thing down. That's what I I just don't, I can't wrap my mind around. Um, But yeah, they were, uh, I believe it was uh, Hubert called off work and stuff to stay home to keep people off the property. Yeah. Trying to protect this thing. Yeah. 
And he didn't like this thing, but they did not want hundreds of people going back there to shoot it. Right, yeah. He didn't want people roaming his property yeah. and stuff. Okay, so... Yeah, so they kind of... The family kind of shut down due to this. Yeah. Uh, it was just horrible situation for everybody involved. Um, but eventually, a researcher named Jim... Rastetter? Rastetter. That's a good, that's a good one. All right. Uh, from the BFRO... Uh, arrived on September 9th, 1978. He, with a follow-up, he returned it later on September 30th with a follow-up investigation. His first find was Harry Colt, who lived about five miles east of Minerva on US-30. Colt told him that he, too, had seen the animal while walking through the woods near his home. Colt says the animal was squatting uh, near a tree and made noise and sounds that were very loud, like a really loud cough. He described the creature's large, hairy, and bipedal. Mm. Next, he interviewed the uh, Caton family and their encounters with the creature. In his report, he noted that the Catons and their friends had no reason to uh, coax a... Uh, concoct a hoax. Concoct a hoax. I was combining concoct and hoax. I mean that, yeah. And uh, <laughs> seemed truthful and trustworthy and sincere in their stories. He also noted that the witnesses told the exact same story. And here's a little blurb from him. They were plain, simple, down-to-earth people. And you could tell something had happened and really frightened them. They were never any uh, inconsistencies with their story. However, many times they went over it. Hmm. That's so, good for a story. Mm-hmm. Then another researcher who accompanied uh, him confirmed his assessment of the family. And here's what that other guy said. Some of the persons were interviewed separately, and they all described the beast identically. They hoped to never see it again. So... It, they had kind of a weird relationship. They didn't want to see it, and but they didn't want it hurt. Yeah. As far as the family was concerned, the Catons. Right. Uh, but yeah. To their surprise, the researchers found that the Catons and many other families were unfamiliar with the term Bigfoot. Hmm. They didn't really know what the thing was. Nobody really knew in the area what a Bigfoot was. It wasn't a thing. Uh, you know, we keep in mind this is, when was this, mid-70s? 78. 78. 78. So TV wasn't... Our TV was big in the U.S., but this is rural Ohio. You know, it just... Right, yeah. Nobody cared. Right. Nobody no, knew what a Bigfoot was. Which would explain why the fear, and at the same time, you don't want to hurt it. I mean... I think that this, for most of the story, they were pretty convinced it was a mountain man. Yeah. And... Just a guy? Yeah, just a guy, and he never did anything truly wrong, and he, you know... We're going for a two for this week of monsters that didn't do anything wrong right yeah frankensteins uh so here's some more monster sightings in the area within weeks of the caton sightings other areas or others began in the area similar encounters to the minerva monster one man saw a large hairy creature cross route 30 near the caton's home it was a fog shrouded night and he was driving down 30 and all of a sudden this big hairy thing ran out in front of him hmm. another sighting occurred in liberty church road southeast where a woman reported hearing strange noises in the woods surrounding their home she described it as a cat fight or a woman's terrified shriek she reported to the authorities uh made uncanny noises it had been harassing her for several months that sounds like bobcat yeah i was gonna say that's that. pretty much a bobcat description to a t from what you described to me before yeah what? and actually a little foreshadowing again we may do that not next week, but the week after. Bigfoot sounds and other sounds. Okay. We have the technology available now where we oh, can true. pipe that in. And uh, I was going to say, the first sighting, you know, had two cats involved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I could. I mean, 
she could have been here and whatever that was. But that's weird. What is that? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, with the two cats, like. Are they just so, uh, we'll get into that later. Save that thought. Yeah. Make a note of it because that's a end of the talk. Okay. Because okay. I do have some thoughts on that. Okay. Uh, 58-year-old David White uh, said he heard mysterious sounds behind his house in Paris Township. So same township located at the rear of Skyland Mills Mobile Home Park. And if you watch the documentary, this mobile home park kind of becomes a big deal. Okay. Near the Caton's property. So this is like right around the corner. Uh, similar to the Church Road report, he described mysterious sounds echoing through the woods next to the small lake. And here's his little blurb. It was cold chilling sound. A cu- or curdling. A curdling sound. It will scare the hell out of you. <laughs> uh, his wife, Connie, confirmed hearing the strange noises. Wow. Uh, sightings spread to nearby counties. In the years following the Catons incident, reports of the nerve monster arrived from the neighboring counties of Logan and Union. Logan County. And that that's over by us. I think yeah. uh Minerva's not over here. Yeah, I think they might have that that one off. Logan's like south of us, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think he means Lorraine. That's probably That's over there. Yeah. Sorry guys. That's what happens when we don't proofread good enough. <laughs> um but Union County. They're largely in Union County. Uh Donald Ringler, a legal secretary for the Union County. Union County. Mm. <laughs> Uh, was driving from work on a stormy day. It was hot and lightning flashing in the distance. He slowed his car, or she, sl- her car, oh yes. my gosh, and crossed over a set of rough railroad tracks and saw something laying in the road ahead. The creature appeared to be hunched over, and at first uh, she thought it was a dog, and then the creature rose up on two legs. She thought it must have been a man. When the creature turned its face, she saw this huge, hairy creature. It started. It stared at her and held its hands out to her, palms up. She drove away quickly and stopped at the first home she came to. Inside the stranger's home, she collapsed, breaking down into tears. Hmm. So it bugged her. Wonder so why. how did you did you take it like a stop motion? Yeah, but it, like both a whoa. Homes. Yeah, yeah. Like don't hit me. Yeah, maybe so. Like slow down. Like don't please don't hit me. Yeah, I just wanted this dead this dead pigeon in the road. Right. Yeah. Maybe so. That is. I've never really heard that before. Whoa. Though, holding its hands up. Yeah, that's kind of a weird one. Or it was using some sort of like mystical power. Building a force field. Yeah, and it was about to throw her car off the road. Uh, so the Minerva monster aftermath, the Catons refused to uh, re- or recant. Re- yeah, they wouldn't, they weren't backing down and they didn't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Because they had been ridiculed at this point. Well, yeah, especially people showing up at your house. Mm-hmm. So many years after the infamous encounter with the Minerva monster, the, how do you say that one? <laughs> Ledgered? Okay. I don't know. Catons never uh, re- recanted their story. The family was harassed by neighbors who claimed the Catons were seeing things. Local harassed the Catons at the high school football games uh, when the crowd stood and began chanting, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. As they entered the stadium. So these guys were just being horribly made fun of. Yeah. Horribly publicly ashamed. And, yeah. Uh, there were uh, doubters. Oh, this is from Herbert. There were doubters. Those who yelled things from car windows when they passed. It was weird. And the way I felt about it was if they don't want to believe, they don't have to. Right. Uh, despite the allegations of their neighbors, though, the Cantons refused to bend. Researchers who followed up with their story several years later... After the events noted, back in 85, when I spoke to the family, and again in 91, 
the reports were the same, uh, practically the same word for word as they had been in 78. If they had listened to the top 10 sightings in Ohio based on the credibility and believability, Minerva would easily be in the top three. Hmm. That's uh, a shame, too, because, like, we come from a small town. It would be. It's fairly similar in size to us. a little bit Fort, bigger. Yeah, it's a little bigger than us. Um, but just to have people with, like, high school football, I mean, Ohio high school football games. That's the stuff. It's a big deal here, and, you know, that's a that place publicly where, shamed there. Yeah, that's where the community kind of bands together, and mm-hmm. then to be have that be a place where you're being shamed and ridiculed, not shamed, but ridiculed or made fun of. I, I think shame's right. It's just... Yeah, I mean... It's horribly disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. There's a point of fun and there's a point of of not. Right, yeah. Especially something that's happened to these people, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and their home of all places. So, Kate, the Caton family today, I hope I'm saying that right. I feel bad if I'm not. Because I do feel bad for these people. Oh, They definitely. had a really rough go of it. They didn't want to see this thing. They didn't want it hurt. Right, um, you're right. They didn't want it hurt. They didn't want... Yeah. They didn't want all the attention either, but they wanted to tell this amazing thing that they mm-hmm. witnessed. That's all, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, so today, you want to read where they're at today? Sure, yeah. The, today, the Caton family continues living on the same property, although Evelyn and Herbert Caton have since died. Family members have installed fences to keep curiosity seekers away, which I would too. They exhibit much skepticism when it is suggested that the animal they saw was a Bigfoot. Hmm. That's interesting. Probably from all the ridicule, I, I think assume. that's what it is. The kids and stuff were just like, wanted to be done with it. Yeah. They continue to denounce any publicity and insist that they do not want public attention focused on the case. Which, no blame. Yeah, I think once once Herbert died, Yeah. Uh, the whole family was just like... Uh, Enough of this, like yeah. We they never went back on what they seen. Yeah, but they didn't want to talk about Bigfoot. They didn't want to talk about the story. They just wanted it. They wanted it to be over with. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've been made fun of their entire lives about this thing. Well, no one wants to be from their own hometown. Be yeah, teased and ridiculed Forever. about. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, we will here because mm-hmm. we uh, we own it, I guess. But if someone that doesn't know, oh, we own it though. So who's no, gonna make fun of us? Not what I meant. I meant we own the Bigfoot yeah, thing. I know. Okay. Just gonna make fun of us. We own the town. <laughs> Anyone that wants to, I guess. Uh, yeah, if they really want to, where are they gonna go to drink? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We got like three bars here. Yeah, not really anymore. Jay runs the only local watering hole. No, that's not true. There's there's two others. Not really anymore. The one has a line of more people in the line that are inside the bar. And the other one's a family restaurant now. Yeah. Well, we're a family. And nobody can too. afford the third one. <laughs> well, though, okay. Yeah, you're right. That one is a bit pricey. I yeah, I went in there had a $22 Long Island one night. <laughs> I'd be done, too. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I didn't, it was for my birthday, so I, it was, somebody was buying it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt bad. I offered to pay for it because didn't, we didn't know. Right, yeah. Tangent. Okay. Tangent. Tangent. Liquor. <laughs> um... But here's the historical Minerva Monster newspaper articles. All right. You want me to do these ones too? Yeah, do the – go ahead. Okay, the Akron Beacon Journal, um, June 29, 1980. Minerva Monster is – Minerva's monster is almost like a pet. He's become – he's become, residents of the area say, a fixture in the neighborhood. Everyone knows he's there, but no one pays much attention anymore. 
He has few eccentricities, such as regularly pelting nearby houses with small stones, but mostly he keeps to himself and is generally considered a good neighbor, they say. The so-called Minerva Monster, who two years ago created an uproar, the likes of which Paris townships had never seen before, still is hanging around the densely wooded area behind the home of Herbert and Evelyn Caton in southeastern Stark County, nearby the residence report. Nearby residence report, okay. He's almost like a pet, said Mary Ackerman, one of Caton's daughters who lives nearby. Um, and then this is Herbert Burke Jr.'s quote. It was moving pretty good on two legs, pumping its arms like a track star. I got back in the car, rolled up the windows, and locked the door. So, yeah. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more even. So, yeah. two years later, it appeared no one is any closer to finding out what the Minerva monster is. Sheriff deputies who investigated the 1970, in 1978 say they were never able to identify some pieces of hair and something that looked like a jawbone found near the strip pits. Herbert Burke Jr., age 24, lived in the trailer park near the Catons and said he got a good look at the creature as it crossed Route 30 last summer. Burke, who now lives in North Canton, said he'd heard stories about the creature but decided he would believe it when, he see, when I see it. He said that one night as he was pulling into the driveway of the trailer park, he spotted something, a tall stand, something tall standing across the road. He said he shined his headlights on the creature, which less than 40 yards away, then got out of the car for a better look. He said the creature was seven or eight feet tall, weighed more than 400 pounds, and was covered with dark, matted hair. And that's the story. That that's something else. Okay. That's the Minerva Monster. So wasn't I thought maybe I'm getting my stories mixed up too. Wasn't the Minerva monster? uh, They jumped on its back as well. Yeah, I'm ninety nine percent sure that's this one. Okay, and so we can add in stuff that may be hearsay, may not be hearsay. Right, and that's what that's kind of thing. And what was the other thing I told you to remind me about? Um, at the end of the episode. Oh, good question. With the cats. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the two okay. cats. Anyways, cats, yes. We'll do that later. Okay. Don't let me forget. I, I won't this time. Uh, sure, sure, sure. I, I'll believe that when we see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deleting that button. <laughs> oh, sorry. I keep doing that with the cord. Yeah, Jake keeps wrapping the cord up and I can hear it. Ah, I have a, It's a fidget thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. You need a, a silent fidgeter. Anyways. Uh... I mean, I maybe forget what I was going to say. Jeez, good radio. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but no, the Minerva Monster as a whole. Oh. oh, some of the stuff that was left out. Yeah, we were talking about the guy that jumped on its So back. the son of Herbert and his friends, at some point, they kind of were assuming this was a mountain guy. They were kind of playing games with him. And this has been, if you watch the documentary, this is in the documentary. But they would throw rocks and he'd throw them back. And then they'd put an X on the rock. And they throw back the same rock. They were kind of testing to see if he just was chucking stuff back at him or if it was, it was actually playing the game of, yeah. like... So he would throw back the same rock. And uh, so these kids were kind of familiar with it. And then I think it was Evelyn's daughter that got nailed in the head. She was yelling at the kids for engaging with the creature yeah, and yelled something about the creature hitting her with a rock if it was so intelligent and stuff. And it nailed her right between the eyes with a little stone. And, yeah, then she dropped and stuff. And she, she was mad at it. I think it was Evelyn's daughter uh, or their aunt or something like that. It was a family member that was Which, coming over to yell at the creature. 
which is my favorite part of the story. And I feel bad, but it, at the same time... She was just standing back there yelling. Yeah, she's asking for uh, it. But anyways, one day the kids were back there and they seen the creature kind of hanging around the corner, like bent over. And they jumped on its back thinking it was a guy and then it stood up and then they realized it wasn't a guy. And the thing absolutely freaked out. Never hurt the kids as far as I uh, remember. Yeah. Kind of threw them off it and just bolted. Yeah. But, yeah, that was kind of a fun part about the story hmm. of just – they got really close to it. And I think the only reason they got close to it, if that's factual and it happened. Yeah. The only reason they got close to it because it was – the creature was used to hearing the kids nearby. Yeah. So probably just was kind of like tuning them out, doing his own thing. Did not realize how close they were. Or that they would actually do that. Yeah. And then – because I don't think you had to let them like get that close to him naturally. Right, yeah. From any of our – Bigfoot story experiences that doesn't normally happen. Yeah, you don't get that lucky. Yeah, um, yeah. That it must have been a gentle creature too, or gentle Bigfoot. So I'll say this: don't ever, ever, ever trust a Bigfoot. Right. Because they are, as far as we are concerned, wild creatures. They are intelligent like us, mm-hmm. but they do have. They're powerful. Yeah, they're powerful and they're wild. Yeah. But I do agree with your assessment that this one seemed to be very laid back or kind-hearted, however you want to describe it. That's uh, probably a good way to put very, it. Very, very laid back. Yeah. Uh, didn't do ever do anything aggressive besides, keep in mind, he killed a dog right. and terrified another. And hit a woman in the face with a rock. Yeah. Uh, so he did do some things. I mean, he killed a family pet. Right. Because it wouldn't stop barking at him. So there is that line there. Which, you there know, still is that line where this isn't your. Uh, they we kind of get the idea. Some people kind of get the idea or the expression that this is a happy forest giant and stuff like that. And yeah, there is that aspect to them, but there is the other aspect of dangerous. They will wreck giant. you if yeah. they need to. Yeah, if they need to, that's the thing. And but what's need? You know, you know, where do you draw the line? Well, I need you to shut up, so I'm going to break your neck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's need is different. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that. But, yeah, I do feel this particular. So, yeah, I guess that's another comment. So we'll get into some of our thoughts. Okay. Do you feel the Minerva Monster was a single Bigfoot, a group of Bigfoot, or what? Almost seems like a single one, I would say. But it's, I, it probably had family nearby i would assume but it's stories seem like just one so i will from what i we just read and what i've researched and uh-huh. it seems like our our normal run-of-the-mill rogue single bigfoot like a maybe a younger male yep and that's what it seems to follow the same pattern yeah is he's interacting with people and this actually reflects almost uh my encounter yeah uh that height and the weight and stuff like that. It wasn't a, a hulking one and seemed to be a little more brave than they normally are. Not not like didn't do anything bad, just didn't seem to care as much, was seen a lot. You yeah, know? that's that, – yeah. Yeah, so this kind of gives me a vibe of that, that, that classic single young male. That just didn't know better, I guess, to stay yeah. away. Yeah, so – that's what I kind of get the vibe of, that it's one Bigfoot in this instance. That's how I feel too, yeah. 
Uh, not saying it couldn't be a multiple, but they seen it a couple times. It never really changed appearance. Um, it always it hung out there for a couple years. Same with my story. Yeah. And then it was gone. What if it was the same one? And there's that possibility that it's not because that was in 78 versus... True. I don't know how long they live, but I don't think they're young that long. True. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot that part. The date's kind of important. Yeah. Maybe they're related. I was going to say, they probably are related. Yeah. If they're the Ohio population... That's a whole other subject. The Ohio population is probably not as big as some of the other populations when you look at true Appalachia and out west. So it's just like us. We're all related here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we are. That's why I went down and married somebody from Kentucky. Just trying to get out of the gene pool here. <laughs> but it turns out you just probably went deeper into it. Yeah, it's, it's all the same. It's where we all come from then. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, so what other aspects? So what do you think this kind of whole creature's demeanor? We've already kind of covered it, but let's go into that. Yeah, it seems like a more of a, I would say, gentler Sasquatch, but not one that's going out out for blood like right away or out to defend anything. It's just kind of hanging out and will interact if you interact, but it didn't seem too scared It was until a lot of attention came. Yeah, it kind of seemed a little playful. Yeah. Kind of not playful, shy, not shy, you know, it kind of, to me, it gave off that typical rogue Sasquatch we kind of talk about. Yeah. Some of the rogues we talk about are very aggressive and do harmful things to property and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I'll still say, I will still personally call this a rogue Sasquatch, even though there's none of those traits. Yeah. It was getting fed. I think after a while, it kind of was just like relaxed. A little more than it probably should have been. Well, yeah, I agree. Uh, Too docile. Yeah, and it just was getting food. It never nothing negative ever happened. But yeah, I think personally, and I think they they all have personalities. Obviously, I really think yeah. they're really close to us in a lot of that aspects. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. With their person, just demeanors and mm-hmm. things like that. I think this guy was very chill. Yeah, as far as they go, uh, wasn't shy as far as they go. Was seen a lot. And then uh, I think maybe, so when we talk about the hand-raising thing, I think that may have been a mimic. Oh, yeah. I think you may have seen that with road construction. Yeah. Or something like that. When your car's coming, if you want it to stop, you do that. Huh, yeah. And then he's like, oh, crap, it's not stopping. It's speeding up. up. Yeah. Uh, Either that or it had some mind powers, and that's how it uses it. But this is a very important story as far as Ohio Bigfoot goes. Uh, and I think it outlines, I keep going back to my own personal encounter because I think it's unique how much some of this behaviors fit. Right. How similar yeah. it is. Yeah. To, uh, and I think there's others in Ohio that are like that. Mm-hmm. The more we dive into this hole, the more I think as far as researching Sasquatch right now, that's what we need to be more focused on, not the DNA and stuff like that. Yeah. Because there's, no, there's not a lot of point to it right now. Getting deep, but we can build these behavioristics. Mm-hmm. You know, we it, w- there's patterns. You kind of figure out how they live and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems that these seven to eight footers that are kind of thinner, yeah, are these ones that you have the interactions with that aren't super negative, that aren't super positive. They're just kind of there. They'll let you happens. see them a little bit. You yeah, know, they'll do stuff, um, and they'll repeatedly do stuff. Because it's like a teenager. They're kind of, that's my thought. They're kind of figuring out what they're going to do and stuff like that. So, Their place in the world, even. Yeah. So they're just kind of, I don't know. Huh. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm, 
I think it's I think you're on to something for sure. It's yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I kinda wish I was there to witness it too, but I, I never want to see another one again and that's right. I get these people. They I, seen it and they weren't I can see hateful of it. Right, yeah, yeah. And they weren't I don't wanna, I don't know script. They were scared of it, but they weren't like dreadful of it. Yeah. They don't want to see it again. Right, yeah. They and I'm right there with to, them. Yeah. I've seen a Bigfoot. I don't want to see one again. If it happens, it happens. And we're going to go out Bigfooting and stuff like that. We just kind of hopefully get your encounter. Right, yeah. But. One day. I don't need to see one again. I have my mental proof. Burnt into your yeah. memory forever. And now looking back, it wasn't as terrifying as it was when you are a kid. Right, yeah. But I'm sure it would be. I'm sure it would be a. They're so big. Yeah, it's hard. To it's be, hard to wrap around your head around it until this one, and you're looking at it, it's hulking over you. Yeah, and you feel so inferior so fast. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine. So what's the next thought? What's the next well, the, topic on this? To get back to the black cats, the black cats, and or so, were they black cats? I didn't. Yeah, we they were black really, cats. Okay, that's kind of what the story led. That's what they've kind of described a couple times. I think the documentary left it out, but I listened to their podcast, uh-huh. and they are based out of Minerva. Small Town Monsters crew is. Yeah. Oh, once again, uh, shout out to them. I love their documentaries. I've always loved them forever. Mm-hmm. They do good. They do amazing work. Uh, I couldn't make a movie, let alone <laughs> they've made some really good ones. But yeah, uh, I don't. I think they left it out of the documentary, the Black Cat thing. Yeah. But they've talked about it on their podcast. Okay. That's where I first heard about it, I believe. Uh, hmm. And it's weird. We have a couple a couple of these things across the board with Bigfoot being witnessed with a pair of canids or a pair of felines. It's weird it's one or the other. Canids are dogs. Right, yeah, yeah. Just for anybody at home that may not know what that means. Like, I could totally see a dog, um, dogs being... Or coyotes and wolves. Yeah, because I've seen, they'd still do that with humans, even wild dogs. Well, think about the two two animals that were first domesticated by people. Cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. Yeah. Cats willingly did it, and dogs were a little less willing, but was probably better for us. Because they had a pack structure already. You're right, yeah. Cats are very good at working out kind of, how do you put it, deals. Yeah. Uh, cats are, and I'm not talking about house cats per se. I'm talking about wild cats. Yeah. Are very efficient hunters, but are always looking to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, like, uh, there was a study in Wyoming with mountain lions in sheep predation. Okay. And because there was all these sheep that run up in trees that weren't being eaten. Yeah. So they were going to kill all these mountain lions off because they were like... They're chasing... Well, they're just killing everything. Yeah. And they figured out by the study that the study was causing this. No way. Because they were following this cat around. And so the cat was thinking that they were after food. The researchers were. Huh. So the cat wanted to be left alone. So it would kill a sheep to leave for them to eat. Yeah. And then they wouldn't stop following it. So kill a sheep to leave them when they eat. Later on, they found that this is a common thing in Canada with wolf packs and mountain lions that live in the same area. Huh. They'll kill something and leave it? For the wolves. Yeah. Because the wolves will harass them right. until they go kill some. Yeah. Because the wolves only have like a one in eight success rate of hunts. Oh, really? 
and cats are like 80 or 90 percent success yeah. rate yeah um craziness so the wolves have figured out that if we harass these cats they'll kill something they'll for kill us. something for us and the cats cats are doing what the cats have figured out that it's just easier for me to kill something to leave for them but yeah hmm. i never knew that so that, i don't know what's being uh done there like with this certain situation with the cats and this bigfoot or like what their relationship is i guess what if they're not related and i mean you don't really see too much reports of the black cats or the yellow eyes it's just that one time i mean i don't know if there was more or not they would know more than me or us but what if those cats just happen to be there and the bigfoot's like "Uh uh-oh these cats are going to murder my new friends this family that lives here and it steps in between it to protect them or something, you know? I don't know. Probably not, but... I don't know. Because I would imagine those cats would have been long gone if that Bigfoot was there. Was there or wasn't there? Was there. If they if they weren't in cahoots together. Oh, I get you. I get you. Yeah, I yeah. get you. Bigfoot is definitely, in most cases, the, the, the apex around and other predators will kind of give lead way. Right. Uh, cats have huge home ranges. Yeah. So they'll kind of just move to the other side of their home range while another predator's in that area. Cats are very well calculated about picking their fights because right. they're very lightly built. Right, yeah. Dogs are very toughly built. They're a little more uh, throw their throw their shoulder into the problem. Right, yeah. And cats have to be more stealthy. No, they'll get – cats have like – they're super – yeah. They're the bones super, are super light yeah. and it'll break. Can, if you – if the mountain lion – so a mountain lion can kill an elk. Mm-hmm. Kill me and you. But most of the time, if the mountain lion does not get that first surprise on your neck, yeah, you will kill them. You can kill a mountain lion. Yeah, uh, that guy did. That guy choked out one. Yeah, but wasn't that like a baby okay. or a juvenile? A baby is a juvenile is different than a baby. Just to be clear, and that was like a seventy-five pound cat. I could take it. Too. No, you couldn't. Oh, you watch. If it got because it grabbed him first. Yeah, he got very lucky because he grabbed a rock and he started beating it. Yeah, as it was killing him, and then he got the upper hand. Yeah, and he choked it to death. Yeah. I'd be wearing that thing around like a hat in the woods. I would be too, yeah. That's uh, a prize kill. On I'm, that on that note, it's just like, he was talking like, they were talking like, because this man knew exactly what to do. And then you watch his interview, he's like, I got lucky and found a rock. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, it bit me right here. It Good bit Lord. the guy right on his shoulder, yeah. right by his neck. It yeah. was trying to get his neck. It missed, yeah. And it missed, and there's the only reason he was alive. Yeah. So Good cat's jaws are specifically designed to separate either windpipes or vertebrae. Oh, it just sliced right through Yeah. It. Oh wow! But good lord, I don't know. This has been—they've been seen with a lot of dogs too, uh, a lot of wolves and yeah. coyotes. And is it some type of domestication? Is it the hunting? They figured out that you know this is very beneficial to both parties involved. Yeah, maybe so. Well, I can imagine uh, when I, when watching like I watched this documentary on where was it in the Congo where they do baboon hunts like there's this tribe there that still does it and people can go there and do it with them and the guy like recorded his experience with it and they strapped a gopro to a dog's head and the like this tribe these dogs weren't like their domesticated dogs they were just feral dogs that lived in the woods and stuff but they all packed together with this group of people and they would have like six or seven dogs you know just walking along right beside them and they could like do a whistle or a click and the dogs would take off you know and go after whatever 
whatever they were hunting, which was baboons mostly. And they strapped a GoPro to this one dog's head, and it just took off after these baboons. And it was nuts seeing it. And they eventually caught it and ate it. But I could see how humans use dogs as a tool, and dogs you so, know, benefit from the humans as well. But a Bigfoot, maybe if it's just for companionship, you know, because I don't think a Bigfoot would need a dog. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To do its hunting, because I. Th- but it's easier. Well, yeah. If you, if true. you, it's easier for both parties to. If let's say the coyotes or whatever it's using, the cats are flushing stuff to the choke point. Oh yeah, that's Sasquatch. True. Yeah, and then there's just this hulking beast. You can kill something a lot bigger, a lot easier, real quick. So another tangent. Okay, that's how they think T. Rexes worked. Interesting. So there's a lot of evidence that T. Rexes actually had large family groups, mm-hmm. and they were had multiple life stages because the T. Rex was a different animal in every life stage, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Our the last episode. <laughs> but me. uh. The juveniles were very, very fast, mm. but had no bite force. Yeah, they couldn't. They probably couldn't kill much of anything. But they think that the, the adults had the strongest bite force on the planet. Yeah, but were big, slow things. They yeah, were, we theorize they could only run about ten miles per hour. So the average human could outrun a T Rex for a short distance. Yeah, an adult, not like the movie. Not like the movie, running yeah. forty-five miles an hour. That's the juveniles. So they have all this evidence now that it's looking like. The, they'd have multiple family stages all mm-hmm. living together. The adult pair, their teenagers, and their juveniles mm-hmm. would chase these larger dinosaurs to choke point to mom and dad. Yeah. Because they couldn't kill these big things. Yeah. But mom and dad could get them if they could grab them. Right, yeah. Well, they're gigantic. And that's kind of what they think. That Some Sasquatch, they think they may do that too. They flush oh. them to a choke point. So if you don't have your family group, get a pair of canids. Yeah, there you go. cats. But I don't know. Anything else to add? No, that's no. Nah, I think we covered all of our. We definitely covered the story, and then. So, what's your overall feel of the story? I think it's truthful. I think it really happened. I think these people are sincere, and I think this is a a good area and a good little piece of history that I hope sticks around. I think I agree with you fully. I do believe this happened, and I believe it probably happened. Highly described it. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole family's encounter is something that needs to be remembered. I mean, this is, like I said, this is Ohio's big Bigfoot thing. Right, yeah. Um, I feel horrible for the family. Same here. Because when we didn't talk about any of our Bigfoot stuff forever because... The ridicule of small towns, you know, people don't like... People don't like this stuff. I don't know why. They don't like knowing there could be something that they don't believe in that mm-hmm. exists shatter their whole reality and then therefore you must demean it and belittle it that's weird mm-hmm. it's just weird but yeah that's pretty much all i got on it i think i think we covered this pretty good uh we probably left some stuff out and whatnot this is a big story and we kind of trimmed it down to fit our our time frame we do these in yeah and it wasn't quite long enough. We're right on. We're right on cue. Okay. Well, with our hour, we're at fifty-eight minutes and forty-one seconds. All right. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if I have any final regards. Excuse me. Um. I guess if, if any... this is an important thing to remember for, because yeah. we're starting to see these patterns emerge, mm-hmm. and. From my own personal experience, there's a lot of similar things that happened. Mm-hmm. 
as far as the experience itself and the reaction to the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot more out there that fit the same kind of narrative mm-hmm. and it kind of gets overlooked. And then and also gets ridiculed. And mm-hmm. I think for right now, the most important thing we can do is for Sasquatch research, whether you call yourself a researcher, an enthusiast, an investigator, is building up the behavioral catalog of these animals, or these yeah. creatures. Uh, I don't use animals as derogatory, like, because we're animals. Right. Uh, but the behavioral characteristics is the best thing we can do, because until there's a body, DNA collection is pretty much pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, until there is a body, then all that DNA evidence is great, because then you have all kinds of uh, genome mapping and stuff you can do right. really immediately. Uh, but for now, I think the actual study of behaviors and interactions and stuff like that is the most important thing. I think your best bet is like some of these people are working on is building a connection with family units. Yeah. Pulling a Jane Goodall. Yeah. And then having that. And I think this family was close to it until all hell broke loose. Right. Yeah. I think these are the situations where you'll get something like that. Yeah. And I know there's others out there trying to reenact it with their, like studying their family groups and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But I don't, I think you need one of these that are, the the Sasquatch makes the first connection. Yeah, the curious Sasquatch. Yeah, to yep, you need the right you. you need the right Sasquatch and the right person at yeah. the right time to get this hard proof evidence without a body. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 that would be which is kind of you know very similar to your experience. It could have happened. I mean, if we were. If it was more now, in mind, if it was nowadays, yeah, it'd be a different. Yeah, I but, would know better, but I was a kid, right? And, yeah, and my dad shot at the thing, and that was it, right? Uh, but yeah, and I've I've heard horror stories with Sasquatch. I think it's very possible. You you run into an alpha male or protective mother, you're mm-hmm. gonna die. Yeah, yeah. I think those big males will kill you in a second. I agree. I think because they're very capable of. I can't remember the name of the researcher down in Tennessee that had a. A young male he was interacting with, and then he got really spooked out by that same male yeah. after years because the alpha was – he felt like the alpha male was kind of pressuring him to start taking role. So he, he felt in danger from the one he had – Previously befriended yeah, yeah. or something, yeah. So that's just another thing to keep in mind that these aren't pets. These right, aren't yeah. your friendly forest giants. Yeah. They can't – they are well, – they will – in their minds, protect themselves. Right, yeah, and their territory. Yep, and, and their, their family and yep. their, you, their resources. Just like us. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think we I think we hit this one pretty good. Yeah, I like this one. All right. I think we're done. I think we've talked enough. <laughs> I have been the mysterious Justin, I think is what we've coined. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, we forgot the other episode to do this. Uh-oh, it's uh, your turn. Well, the noise, and do you think you could beat the Minerva Monster in a fight? Oh, uh, no. No, I don't think so either. Nope. I think he'd punch me and turn me to dust. Yeah, you would be, you would be the Dover Demon in yeah. this case, in this scenario. So let's, do you think the Ohio Tentacle, the Ohio Octoman, do you think you could beat the Ohio Octoman in a fight? Yes. Why? I just got this feeling deep inside that... The size of a small Volkswagen. Well, he's also a, a semi-aquatic creature, and I just got to dry him out. Hmm. Mm. What about a platypus? They're semi-aquatic. I will stab it. <laughs> okay. I yeah, I don't think I could beat either in a fight. <laughs> it was the size of a, a friggin' VW bug. 
Well, right. I could just, I don't know. You, you never know. You could ambush it. You could just drop something big on it, Where too. Where would you stab that thing at? Uh, the Octo Man yeah. or the Platypus? The Octo Man. The Platypus should kick to death. They're the size of a oh, yeah. duck. There, there you go. Um, the Octo Man, I mean, I would stab it right in the face. All right. All right. <laughs> so what's the noise of a Minerva monster? I think we both got to do it. Well, I mean, I don't... Um... Ooh. Kind of talked about that. I don't know if I could do it to incite fear into someone. Is that the cat? Yeah, there you go. cat noise? You got to do the Bigfoot. I did the cat. Okay, well, let me see what that guy does. Oh, gosh, he's he's scrolling back through notes. Um, It's a blood-chilling sound, a curdling sound. It would scare the hell out of you. So probably like... (laughs) Nah, I don't know. That's not... I mean, that's not a bad Bigfoot noise. I don't know what it would sound like. That's not very blood chilling. All right. I've been the mysterious Justin. And I've been uh, just Jay. And we are Cryptos of the Corn Podcast. And we'll catch you next week with more monsters of the Midwest and Appalachia. Peace. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.